Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is a returning guest who's been a number of times. Carl Reader, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Brenton, for having me back. It's always good to chat with you. We've, uh, we chat here and there because you work with a lot of the the swimmers that I coach uh, through the online membership and you work with them on not only getting better connected, which we're going to talk about, but helping them work through niggles or issues that they might have, particularly triathletes uh, that, that come from often the bike and the run. And, uh, and so I'd like to get your feedback on some of those things that you're seeing with the work that you do and then how that actually relates to not only getting rid of some of those injuries and niggles, but also how that helps people swim better. So I want to get uh, into that with some some case studies of people that you've worked with. And okay. just to sort of step it off, we talked about connection before we jump on the call here and how having things work together is really important in swimming. And it's something that I see when I'm coaching people at clinics because uh, often with the swimmers who aren't as fast, it's their top half doing one thing, their back half doing another, and there's not great connection there. So when you make some, when you can, you know, make some simple changes or teach people how to move better, then they can swim a lot faster for often a lot less effort. So what are, what are some of those things that you're seeing when you work with people who maybe aren't very well connected through their movements and then that transition that you help them go through to, to get connected? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, the, the thing with this connection is uh, very interesting, the top path and the bottom, bottom path of the body working together. And uh, one of the things I noticed was in my own body as well was if I hold a very heavy, heavy kettlebell and I stand still, after a couple of seconds, it feels really heavy. But if I start walking, it becomes light or lighter. And so I could, I could pick up that the lower body was actually like generating like power or like flow energy, or electric, like electrical like power to the muscles. And it's the same when you're running, for example. If you just run and keep your arms still, then there's no sort of contribution from the upper body helping the legs run. So when you start to get a little bit of movement of the arms, it generates power to the lower body. And so that, that, that connection going from upper to lower is, especially for swimming, I mean, there's a, you know, the swimming is arms and legs, it, that connection is essential. And often missing or sort of like not as effective in swimmers, especially with poor posture. And so the work that I do is try to, like I'd say, to tell all my guys online or in swimmers is you need to get connected. And what that means is like through the middle part of the body. And that's often where the disconnect comes. You'll notice like, and, and poor posture is a big part of that. But uh, we think of it as like core strength and the core, but it's actually like this, the body's like, there's like when you contract muscles, it generates electricity. It's what we call piezoelectric. So the actual contraction of muscles generates electrons. And that then flows through the fascia, which the listeners are familiar with. And so that's a big part of that, getting that connection is loosening up the fascia through, um, getting the core stronger, but it just getting the spine to move more efficiently as well. So a lot of restrictions in the, in the back causes a sort of like disconnect. Um, and you'll notice the swimmers as well, like I think you shared in some of your videos as well, just how they, they struggle with the breathing. They have to lift their head up the water or they're dropping their arm or they haven't got a proper reach or they just, their arms aren't connecting with the legs. Often that's posture as well. So that's, that's been a big, big thing is getting, getting connected. So I know it's a, a word that's thrown around a lot, but it's, it really is super important. Yeah, we were doing a little bit of work together when you were helping me with my 
squat movement. Um, and like it took probably 20, 20 minutes, I'd say, uh, oh, 15 minutes, maybe of some sort of dedicated time with you just over like over zoom working on getting me to move properly through my squat. And then <clears throat> the, the difference I noticed was it was well, uh, much more through the, through the core, through the glutes, rather than just like, uh, you know, that lower back movement. And, and now I'm much more aware of when I am moving correctly, even walking up the stairs, uh, because you know, I sort of spoke to you about a, a knee issue that I had a couple of, probably two months ago now, and, uh, he was just really having trouble with it. And, and some of that, uh, was sort of stemming just from how I was like in just walking upstairs and then like moving through the, um, through the hips, which was kind of like a, a similar movement to the squat. So I'm much more aware of when I am doing it correctly and, and when I'm not, and I see what you do is very similar to what, what I do when I'm analyzing people on video with their, with their swimming. There's a lot of nuance to the, to these, what seem like simple and basic movements, but there's a lot to it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and back on the connection side, I, I really, I mean, if you've heard this and listeners have heard me say this over and over, but the, the squat done correctly is one of the best ways to get connected because of the effect it has on the spine and the effect that it has on, on your posture. So getting, getting that technique right uh, is, is so important. And, and as we just talk about the case studies, it's not like we'll see that that's pretty much people often, what, what exercises do you really do? And I said, well, most of it's just starting with the squat. And it's that it's, it has such a profound effect on, on the, on the wiring, on the wiring of the fascia and, uh, it unlocks the middle back. As we talked about, that's part of where the rotational centers are in the spine. Um, it, it, it gets the glutes, it changes the whole system. And so it, it's, it's, and also one of the things you'll notice with swimmers and, and a lot of people struggling with issues is tight hip flexors and that squats done correctly is a great way to release that. And the hip flexors are the deep muscles, like right at the back of the back there. And they're also, they're like, they're often referred to as the battery packs of the body, the power, the power generating power. So think about swimming, running, uh, squatting. So when we can get to those muscles, it's like, it's, we just, we just get connection and that's, that kind of like has a ripple effect to the whole body. And the results are, I mean, some of the results are quite dramatic, like can be one session and, and uh, very often it's one or two sessions and, and, and people are already experiencing quite dramatic improvements. For, so for anyone who's listening, who's listened to all of these podcasts with you, I think we'll have to, you might need to change your middle name to Carl Squat Reader. I think it's the first time <laughs> yeah. I had done the podcast. It was um, like you, you mentioned that the best core exercise you can do is probably the squat. And that sort of flicked the flip the switch in my mind about how important that that movement is and I didn't quite understand it initially and how important it is but um, just the more I come to learn I really start to understand why why you, you said that um, now I want to move into some case studies because I think there's the best way to sort of understand a lot of this stuff is with with case studies and people that you've worked with and uh, they've probably come to you with a few niggles here and there and then the work that you've done with them to help uh, make some changes so have you, is there someone that you've worked with recently who's come to you with an issue that you've, you've helped them with? Yeah. So there's still ongoing members, of course, that I work with ongoing, but there's been two new uh, members that have joined that have, that have reached out to me as well, like recently. And, uh, they're, one of them is a, they're both triathletes, but one of them is a, a lady and she's struggled with chronic hip, um, chronic hamstring, uh, uh problems, with more medically, uh, ischial tuberosity, which is where the hamstrings attaches onto the pelvis. And, um, it's one of, I don't know if, if you ever struggle with that type of hamstring injury, it's really painful and, and often chronic. 
And so, you know, cycling, running and, and swimming was just causing her so much like drag and, and frustration. And, um, yeah, she tried everything. She'd, she'd done the whole treatment thing and roots and was and, and in a process of really doing hardcore strengthening exercises when I met her. And, um, I just said to her, you know, we, can we just go back to the basics and just check the, the squatting actions again? Because once, uh, uh, you get that squatting, as we talked about to her posture, she had low back, uh, bad, bad back sort of alignment as well and posture issues and literally like gave her the, the, the squat for uh, like the first exercise. And, uh, the second time we, we spoke, she said, I can't believe it's already like 50% better, um, already. And then now she said it's hardly any drag except when she runs sometime. And that's a running technique thing, which I think she needs to work on. But she just you know, she said to me, I can't believe the results that you get that, that from just squatting. And, and again, like it, it really is that, that, that profound. Uh, so yeah, we did squats, we did step ups, did some rotational stuff with her. And, um, but once we got that, that, that her, her glutes to fire and the hamstrings let go. And that's, that's the key thing. Yeah. The glutes, when they work and the core work together, which you get in the squat, uh, then the hamstrings and all the muscles can do their, can, can function like they're supposed to function. So the way that she was going through those movements it was just all going through the hamstring was it or mostly through the hamstring which was causing those issues yeah so that so the hamstring tendon you need you need tension on hamstrings and like if you're on a bike sometimes you'll find people's pelvises are not like their postures poor they sort of sit on the on the hamstring insertion where it actually goes onto the to the pelvis and it creates compression it's sort of like doesn't it makes it like uh it makes it weak in a sense so you want to you want to get the pelvis in the right position not only on a bike, but if you're running or swimming or doing any sort of movement that you're shifting the load from that, the actual junction where the, where the hamstring tendon inserts into the bone and more into the muscles and into the glutes. So the, it's all about a loading thing with how much load you put to the body. And now by going through those, was she already doing squats and step-ups in her gym routine? Hectic squats and step-ups. Yeah, like he quite, quite intense exercises, heavy weights. Trying to, because she'd heard about strengthening the glutes, you know, and uh, I think, you know, most people who are in the sporting industry already know that you need to strengthen your core and glutes, but it's, this is where, where the coaching comes in, like just really modifying those, the, the techniques and, and, and find little tweaks that you can just like make a quick change and then suddenly you're away, you know. Oh, that's fantastic. It's, it's, it's no, not surprising either when you see what some people are doing on a regular basis. If it's an incorrect movement, even slightly, it's just, it can have unintended consequences and you might be, um, yeah, you might be, um, doing the right thing in terms of strengthening the glutes, but if it's done the wrong way, yeah, it can lead to that. It's really interesting. Um, and then have you got another, another person there that you've been working with who came to you with uh, some sort of. Yeah. So the, the, this is also a gentleman, uh, who's a triathlete, also very disciplined, works hard with exercises, uh, heavy exercises and has a muscle imbalance and was just affecting his swimming, like especially when he turned his head to the one side. So there was like a rotational asymmetry there. Um, and wasn't really bugging him too much, but he was struggling on and just to get the kick and the, and the feeling that sort of connected in the water, you know, when you're swimming. And so we, again, went back to the squats, the, I just pulled back the weights a bit, the load, um, and then looked on using. So the squat's like a tool. It can be used to, I can use it, we use it to like strengthen, release, um, depending on postural work. So for him, it was really just getting him to release his hip flexors. So we did squat. So we actually squatted down like 45 degrees and then we made him hold those positions for a couple of seconds to let, let the deep hip flexors release. And so that also gave like wonderful results, helped him with his running straight away. Um, 
And then now we're still like just trying to get more rotational balance, but he's already noticed in the water, like more being more connected, like his hip pain's gone away. He's running faster. He's swimming much more effortlessly, which is, you know, haven't even improved the technique. It's just that your body's free, you know, like. <laughs> what, uh, and what do you do for the rotation? You mentioned the rotational balance, was it? So what? Yeah. So you'll, you often find swimmers uh, who, who struggle to turn to the one side. So often they'll want to turn their head to the right and then they find turning left is hard or vice versa. Um, and we talk about rotational asymmetry. So like, I'm like, for me, I'm a golfer. So you're swinging one side all the time and then uh, you find those retention. So it's just trying to balance those out and, and get to the causes of like what's causing those, those rotational symmetries. Um, so I work a lot in like giving them some tests online and then I see where they struggle and then I do, do the opposite movements or try and get them connected through there. So that's a big part, especially for cycling and runners. It's sort of like up and down and back and forward, you know, like, okay, you should have a little bit of rotation when you run, but swimming is a, as a sport where you do have that nice rotation going to the body. Um, and I think a lot of the guys, I know for myself, like the swimming's the hardest part, you know, like the running and the cycling is, is generally easy, but swimming I find. You know, some people can relate that swimming's are not their the strongest point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's, I think that's why I can do what I do because swimming is such a uh, technical sport that it, um, you know, requires quite a bit of, um, quite, yeah, quite a bit to sort of figure it out sometimes. And, um, absolutely. with the rotational side of things, are you, do, are you asking like lifestyle questions or, um, trying to get to the, the root of it or it's just looking at, all right, how do we how do we then correct this, this imbalance here? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, it, the hip flexors are tricky muscles. Uh, you know, if you go Google like a back pain or asymmetry, the number one thing that pops out is hip flexor, you know, or so as it's known in the medical side. And, and so, I mean, sitting is, sitting is the, one of the biggest problems because it shortens and weakens the hip flexors. So we know that most people are aware of, you know, sitting for long periods of time. Um, just poor movement patterns is another cause of, of hip flexor tightness is which I address online, teaching people how to move functionally and, and, and properly. And then the other side of it's emo emotional is a big part of it. So your hip flexors tend to store the emotions. So like negative emotions, strong emotions. So that's, that's the mind body connection. And that's the side that obviously I don't deal with, but I do bring to the table that the people that are really struggling to like get a breakthrough, especially for triathletes who are trying to like optimize performance and get, you know, it's one of those things that they struggle to break plateaus as you, you start to then have to like ask the deeper questions like where, you know, is, is this, and it's, you know, it plays such a big role because if that muscle shut down, it's like having a low battery pack, you know, so it it's affects everything. But just getting back as well, like if, when you get the hip flexors released, the glutes start to fire, the legs get stronger. And if you have stronger legs in the water, I mean, it just, it just helps that whole propulsion phase. You can then relax on the upper body because you've got that power coming I mean, you, you'll know that from the technique side of things as well. This podcast is brought to you by Form Goggles. Form empowers swimmers at every level to reach their goals, whether they want to get stronger, faster, swim further, or to be more efficient. Get lap-by-lap -lap motivation with real-time metrics and workout instructions right in your goggles. And Form's recently released Form Plans, which include a progressive series of workouts to help you achieve your fitness, skills, or triathlon goals. You can follow along with the plan and your weekly swims will be automatically synced to your goggles. So you'll swim through your workouts with real-time metrics and workout instructions all in your goggles. So it's like having a coach right there with you. And I've had a look through these training plans and I think they are excellent for people who want to train for certain triathlons or reach certain fitness goals. It will build on each week and a really good way to progress 
progressively build up your fitness. So if you'd like to follow along with some plans to help you reach your specific swimming goals, then check out Form Goggles at formswim.com forward slash effortless. And this will give you $15 off your purchase of Form Goggles. So formswim.com forward slash effortless to get your pair of Form Goggles. Yeah, well, I mean, even just holding a, a, a streamlined position, really, like you uh, will sometimes see swimmers who are really tight through the hip flexors and they struggle to stay horizontal with their legs. So you're looking at their torso, Correct. hips, and then the legs are always sitting down because they lack that range through the, through the hip flexor. And um, yeah, obviously it creates a lot of, lot of drag and, but you also don't quite get that, um, that drives through the, through the hips. Like I think of the hips as when you're swimming, Correct. it's almost like you want them to be, it's like they're on hydraulics where you've got this like nice right, mo- right rotation, left rotation, and you it's like they're on hydraulics, like just, just mechanically turning left to right. And you can get a lot of power from that when you're, when you're holding them in the right way and holding the right um, body line and being straight through there. And you know, we talk a little bit about bracing the core and engaging the glutes a little bit to, to straighten things out. And that's when you can have Correct. those hips on hydraulics. Whereas if you're kind of sticking your, your bum out and you're bent through the waist, you're never really going to get it. So it's, um, it's very subtle and nuanced. Uh, to to try and get that position, but from my experience, when people do finally get that to happen, and they um, it, it takes a little bit of thinking about it to start with, and and considering how they're engaging those things, but when they do get it to happen, they're like, okay, wow, I right, I really notice a, a difference here, and it's it's just so much less effort for them to um, to swim at the same speed because they're generating a lot of power through the, the middle of their body. Yeah. And you know, another, and another thing which you mentioned in some of it is as well, which is great is the breathing, like your diaphragm attaches to the hip flexors. So right. we talk about the central crust. It's a big tendon, the central tendon of the diaphragm. So any sort of like compromised breathing or like struggling to breathe, will then put tension on the hip flexors, you know? So uh, just, just like relaxing in the water or learning to breathe, um, there was a member the other day who said just breathing to the one side helped a lot to help her with her breathing and it just took a lot of strain out the body. So that that's that's such a big thing as well. Like we you know, we, we often underestimate, especially in swimming you I mean it's under something you come across a lot, but just even breathing exercises just to let go of tension. Um some people meditate, some people go for a walk, whatever it is, but just that letting go has a has a big effect on the hip flexors. And if your hip flexors are tight, it's the number one handbrake in the squat. So like when I find people that can't squat properly, I, I know straight away, like you've got tension in the hip flexors, so we have to go back. And, and that's a lot of the work I do online is like trying to help people to release that tension because if you, it's like driving a car with a handbrake on it, I mean, you can do it, but it's just not, not going to, it's going to burn out the tire. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, similar thing with, uh, uh, with lack of, uh, shoulder mobility, trying to get a, a good catch, like you're always going to be limited. I mean, when we do the very first drill that we do in clinics is is front kicks both hands out in front here and you do see some swimmers who who can't help like keep the hands here and keep it close to the to the head uh so they're going to be limited with the obviously the range of motion and the position they can get to so we just work with whatever, whatever they've got at the moment but if you can if you can improve on that over the course of a couple of weeks and a couple of months and uh yeah and and just you know consistently do some maybe exercises or or stretches or and mobility work to improve it, you'll absolutely notice a difference. And um, I mean, for myself, I, uh, I'm i starting to swim more because I, I wasn't able to um, a, you know, a few months ago. And uh, already, like my, I was pretty tight through my upper thoracics, like 
and I'm, and I'm starting to get better range there, but yeah, I mean, as I'm getting this better range through, through there, like I'm starting to swim a lot better and feel a lot better, but it, it happens pretty quickly. Yeah. You, you do start to tighten up if you're not, uh, staying on top of these things. So each night before bed, I'll just be rolling around on the floor in front of the TV with the like my mobility ball and, uh, and a few other things and just stretching and, um, yeah, it's, it's really starting to, to pay off, but you've got to be consistent with that and really stay on top of it. Because if you are sitting a lot, uh, if you are doing some strenuous workouts, uh, like for me, I surfed twice today and I swum and I'm starting to feel it. So I'm going to need to roll around for at least 45 minutes, I think on the floor to kind of undo all those things that I've done. And, um, yeah, you just got to keep on top of it. Absolutely. And it's such a, it's a, it's one of those things like, you know, for me, like my, my right side tends to get tighter than my left side. So I'm right-handed, but my right, my left, my left side is way stronger. And so even in, like, so my right hip flex, if it gets tight, then my right shoulder gets tight as well. I know there's a crossover with the, with the slings, but it's also this up and down. So there's that, so I can, the significant loss of power in my right side. And the minute the right hip flexor releases, it's like, then I'm almost double the strength of my left. And that's not an exaggeration. It's just like, it's just, it's just the power comes through. But for swimmers who are, who are struggling with the shoulder issues, like it's, we go to hip flexors again, you know, and, and yes, tight thoracic plays a big part of that as well. But it's so um, interesting to see a game, just bring it back to the squad again, you know, like I've uh, got to keep it back in the squads. But it's just, you know, like it's, it's such a simple um, it's such a simple movement that everybody, if they learn how to do it correctly, whether you're a, like an amateur swimmer, beginner swimmer, or even like a serious elite triathlete, is you're probably doing squats with some sort of squat exercise in your, in your regime exercise. And just to have it like tweaked, like just to improve the, the different muscles that are firing or even a shifting the load can, can be, make a huge difference uh, through the fascia and everything. Yeah. And, uh, and for those listening, if you wondering how to squat, um, all these nuanced details that we're talking about. Um, there's, well, two, two ways you could, um, go about it. We've got the, your functional movement course, which you go through the squat, um, which we'll put in the show notes here. Um, so that's got, um, a whole range of movements and detailed instructions on how to do them properly, including the squat. Um, that's, that's one of the modules. Uh, and then obviously you work with people as well, like we're talking about with, um, you work with a lot of our members at the moment. So what's the best way to get in, in contact with you? And, um, if someone's got a niggle or that they need help with this stuff, how can they get in touch? Yeah, they can just get hold of me on my email address, which is callwellness at gmail.com. And that's call with a C callwellness at gmail.com or callreadercoaching.com. Call again with a C and then they can find the details there. And but, uh, it, it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, and some people might be hesitant to work with someone online because, you know, you're not there in person, but I mean, look, that, that was the, the, um, it, it's obviously so much easier because you can do it on, um, on your own time. You don't have to travel anywhere, but it's like when I started coaching people online, they'd send their videos and I'd give them feedback, um, with our stroke analysis coaching. I wasn't sure if it would actually work online. Uh, but after probably seven years now, I think I've been doing it. It's like, it absolutely does work and um and sometimes it's even um it works even better uh because people have got the ability to have a session and then they have their own time to practice it can come back and catch up and um in many cases it works a lot better so uh it's uh yeah yeah it's it's it can depend on like it can be a personal a person the people a lot of the guys that it, it varies and you know, like it's can be a one-off session it can be like i do a lot you know one i do a lot of one-on-one personal training with the guys 
um, through to train. And then if it's injury related, it depends on what they, what they need. And often it's just a FaceTime as well. Like we literally put a, we put a phone up, FaceTime and go in it. And it, because I guess it's just my, my, that's my, my, what I do is I watch people squat all day. <laughs> and so like you watch me so and I, I know what to look for. So it doesn't take me long before I can see like they're, they're, they're where they're going wrong or like as I watch them move on the camera, I can straight away pick up and say, you've got this asymmetry or you're struggling with that shoulder. So just to have someone watch them, I think is a big thing. And, this, and there's different, different offers as well. So that they don't have to lock into long-term if they just want to check in for one session or whatever. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very useful it's, because you don't know what you're doing wrong when you don't know what you're doing wrong. No, that's right. We've got to get this, this middle name added, I think, uh, next for the next podcast. <laughs> Uh, Carl, appreciate you being on the, yeah, the, on the podcast again. And, um, any, any final words before we, uh, we finish this one up? No, I think that's good. I think just that whole idea of getting connected to your body, like, you know, a really body awareness connection and, and just how that translates into better swimming and, and, uh, and results. Fantastic. Well, uh, appreciate being on the podcast and for, um, being there for, for the swimmers and, uh, and the people that I work with, yeah, cause I can't, uh, can't help them with, with this stuff. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. So uh, thanks again for being on the podcast. And you're welcome. Good, good chatting, Brendan. Keep well. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.